Stephen, the, the most embarrassing thing ever happened to me. It was a, it was a high and a low, and like I went for a swim and I, I I swam my longest distance. It was two kilometers longest distance I ever swam, and I was buzzing. I got out at the forty foot and it was getting changed, and I looked down and I seen this man drop his face mask as he was walking away. So I picked up the face mask and I said, "Sorry, mate, your face mask." And he looked at me and he looked at the face mask and said. Uh, th- th- that's not mine and I look at what I'm holding and it's a feckin' tongue it's a g-string I'm holding <laughs> in my hand and I'm like oh shit sorry and I look and next thing this lady's like uh, that's uh, that's mine and I'm like oh I'm so sorry and I just I didn't know what to do I just put it back on the ground and like walked away slowly and I'm like I'm so sorry I didn't know and it's like I just wanted the ground to swallow me up so yeah I, I don't go to the 40 foot anymore after that <laughs> um, that is like something from a cop Hello friends, how are you? How are you getting on? My name's Colm and this is the Sober Mess Podcast and I hope you're having a good day. I hope you're having a lovely, gentle day. Today I'm joined by a man who I'm absolutely delighted to have on the podcast. Today I'm joined by Stephen Farrell. Stephen is a, he's a melanoma cancer survivor, he's a motivational speaker and he's a, a mind coach as well. Stephen was diagnosed with stage 3 melanoma cancer in 2017 and since has been inspired to share his story with the world, inspiring people to live for now and not to put things off until tomorrow. And I was very lucky to have a chat with Stephen and uh, you know, put, he pointed me in the right direction and uh, really helped me with, 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 with setting up this podcast as, and as well to put me in a very positive mindset and he's just a very, very motivational person and i'm delighted to have him on the podcast Stephen, how are you colin geez that was that was a, a fantastic intro um yeah I, i'm great and um, thank you for that and uh, what i what i will say before we progress i'm delighted that i had some small part in you creating this podcast but the fact is you're the one who who took the steps to creating it you do all the work so give yourself a bit of credit for that i am delighted to have that little part in it but you've done all the work so well done uh, and I was even really like it's it's mad like I remember we how we met and we were just chatting and like it was like oh hey how's it going and having this like small talk conversation then all of a sudden it just got really deep and it just got really impactful you know what you were telling me and I remember telling you look I'm thinking about starting a podcast but like I'm worried about what people will think and I remember you to what I never I remember what you said to me you said. Well, sure. Look, even if even if they told you what what they were thinking, you wouldn't even know if it's true or not. Like you know, and yeah. I remember it was sort of along the lines of that. But I remember that, that always exactly stuck it. with me. Yeah, and I and that's what I say. You know, even if people tell you what they think, you really don't even know. They they could be telling you something that that they don't think at all. You don't know what's going on inside someone's head. So don't let what you believe someone is thinking hold you back from doing what's right for you or or what you feel is is your creative voice from allowing that to flow so so yeah that's exactly um pretty much exactly what i would have said 
Yeah, man, that's powerful. And I love that. Like, I love that thing, you know, like your words were so impactful. And it's like, to the world, you might be one person, but to one person, you might be the world. And people don't realize, like, the impact and the ripple effect they can have on people. Just even we having these little conversations, like, you know, just throwing a few positive words or inspiring words their way can, can, like, inspire them to do these incredible things. Well, that's it. And, and one of the things I would usually say as well is a simple smile can save somebody's life. I mean, if you're passing someone on the street or you're driving your car and someone's probably having a bit of a hard time, and you can see it in their face by smiling at them. You can really change the direction of their lives or where they're going. We don't know what people are going mm-hmm. to do or where they're off to. But by by sharing that bit of humanity, I suppose, or empathy, that can really have a, a, a lasting impact on someone's life. And And quite often we don't know the impact that we have and and by you releasing your podcast you don't know the the multitudes of people you're going to touch but the odd few who link in with you and say thank you so much for that that really does help i suppose especially um if if you're you're not 100 percent sure of what you're putting out there if you hear back from people it can be really lovely and and by putting it out there you can really help help somebody with with whatever they're going through in their lives yeah. Yeah, it's so true, and you you never really know what what people are going through as well. You know what I mean, and that's why I suppose it's always to kind of have love and tolerance. And if you see someone out on the street who might be, you know, somewhat rude or just somewhat like just seem come across angry, that that they're, they're usually the people that are suffering. Like you know what I mean, that need that bit of love and compassion and and, and understanding. Well, that's it, and and it's about treating everybody the way you'd like to treat them, and and that old saying, and and um as as a, a relatively well-known philosopher would say, every man and every woman is a star and we're all unique individuals. And, and it's about knowing that and treating people or meeting people on a level and, and not treating anyone mm. worse than, than, than you would like to be treated or, or not, you know, and, and this is, a, we're all people too. And this is also something I would say to people, look at yourself in a mirror and, and be exactly the same way with yourself. Treat yourself with respect and be kind to yourself as well. But yeah, I mean, we we have to be kind to people. We don't know what people are going through. Um, certainly at the moment with COVID, everyone is having a hard time. Every single person, no matter how positive or not you are, everyone's finding it finding it hard. And there are, of course, tools and techniques you can use to kind of help you through the period. But it's also okay to say you're having a shit day sometimes as well. So yeah, so yeah there is that. Yeah, it is, and that that is about sometimes admitting it. Look, does you just experience the other, I suppose, spectrum of human emotion, like you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That getting them, I suppose, feeling like when you feeling. Well, I suppose for me, that for pain, pain for me was, I suppose, can be a friend. You know what I mean? That if you are feeling pain, sometimes it's like a fire alarm going off, and say, right, what can I? How can I utilize this pain? How can I use this to change or to motivate me? You know, or, or like to to utilize that suffering, like you know what I mean. And a lot of the time, we feel suffering, and we want to run away from it, or we want to cover it up, or we want to do behaviors or take chemicals that will numb it and just make it go away, rather than saying, right, why is it there? What can I do with it to make it go for to to go, I suppose spark me into into a positive direction? You know. Yeah, and I mean, if, if you listen to to thought leaders and and people, motivational people like Tony Robbins will say, you find your your why, and and that can drive you forward. So um, mm. that can you can link it in with your the 
the values that you're moving away from values, he'd say. So things you don't want to experience, those feelings that you don't want to experience anymore. And you can link them in with your moving towards values. So the things you want in your life um, yeah. and the feelings you want to have. And, and they would be then categorized in two different groups of means to and ends values. And your ends value is quite often there's a small list of them. And, and quite often it's just love and happiness and those kind of feelings. So, so yeah, using that pain and, and I guess you're talking emotional pain, but some people could could experience or, or be talking about a physical pain as well or a combination of both and using that to drive you forward we are feeling beings you know we we do feel um both sides of, of the pendulum swing i suppose and, and the pendulum does swing it swings from the really negative sad and and, and negative emotional side and it swings to the really positive high elated side and there is a it is really uh, important to try find the balance in the middle of the pendulum swinging, you know, not to be too high and not to be too low. And it's about finding that middle yeah. ground, I suppose. Yeah, it's so, so true. And like, like your perfect example of how I suppose you use that, like you use your own kind of, I suppose your own struggles in life. And, you know, you had the, the, the you know, struggles with your health in the past and you use that to kind of utilize and, and use it as a kind of catapult to where you are today. Like, you know, yeah, definitely did. I mean, now when I talk about struggle, I, I also use the, the metaphor of the seed in the ground, you know, the seed in the ground in the dark mud and muck and mire has to struggle through that mud and muck and mire to get to mm. the sun. You know, the struggle is important and it is part of it. And and we wouldn't be, you know, you have to toughen up really to to get to where you want to go because it makes getting there all all the better, I suppose. And yeah. and back to that seed metaphor, the seed actually uses the nutrients from the soil, from that mud and muck and mire and the, and the toughness to get to where it wants to go. So it's about using all of the the experiences that you're going through to help you. And and certainly for me, I mean, in 2017, and and there were things before it, and and I, I'm I can hear Brené Brown in my head saying. You know, we shouldn't rank our suffering. And Brené Brown's amazing, and uh, mm. I recommend everyone listen to her. And we shouldn't rank our suffering. And a lot of us do. You know, we say, oh, I, uh, my leg might be hanging off, but Mary up the road has her head rolling down the road. You know, that kind of thing. There are so much yeah. work in off. And sometimes it's okay to say, you know what, I'm having a hard time and a shit. And, and for me, I had a few periods of that growing up and, and um, you know, the, well, not usual, but but uh, the kind of usual thing, you know, your dad leaves and, and you're growing up in a, in a working class area, which I love. And, and I still, you know, have a lot of friends and family living there and, and being gay and coming out and all of those challenges that you face. And, and then life was really wonderful and great and amazing. And I got all my goals and my dreams and then I got sick and then I had more and that propelled me to do more in three years since my cancer diagnosis than I have probably in my whole life. I've crammed in a lot and that includes the recovery process after a, a stage three cancer diagnosis. So, so yeah, the, the challenges I faced definitely flung me forward in, in over the course of my life in quite a few uh, periods of, of challenge. That's that's powerful, like you know, and and like, what, what te can you tell us more about like when you got how it felt like when you got diagnosed, and you know what 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 yeah, was that I, like? <laughs> well, it's actually quite a funny story, and I, I know Irish people and, and people across the world, but we have a bit of black humor, you know, when it comes to something that's traumatic, and it was traumatic. Um, hmm. I never been 
64 in my life I, I was always really fit and healthy and I'm back to that point now again but I never had really more than a cold so never at the doctor any of that kind of thing and I had a, a small mole on my lower back and a lot of us have moles on, on our bodies and, and um, we don't really see them if they're on our back or, or kind of behind us and, and my husband noticed mine and, and tried to persuade me to go and see my my doctor, my GP. And again, I thought I was fine. I'd, I'd never been sick before. So, of course, I was brushing it off. I thought I was Superman and, and um, I, I was unbeatable. I was immortal. I was going to live forever. The, those kind of things you think when you're a young man, certainly, and, and you think you're, you're great. But, but you know, uh, we are material beings, so we do yeah. suffer from from illnesses from time to time. So, I went to. I didn't go to see my my GP actually. My my fabulous sister in law, one of my sisters in law, um, twisted my arm. Uh, she was in Ireland for for a wedding uh, by chance, and we happened to be at the wedding together. She twisted my arm, and I eventually decided I'd I'd see somebody and. I I was putting it off and putting it off and I was due to go to LA for Christmas and I would have been sunbathing and I would have been lying by the pool and I would have been doing all the stuff you do in, in LA when you're when it's sunny and you're you're over there and I have really pale skin of course so the sun isn't my friend but I texted a friend of mine and he's a GP and he said to me and it was around the time of the RDS horse show and I was on the way to the horse show actually because I live just uh, down the road from it and he said come up and see me and I'll have a look at your back. And I was like, ah, no, man, you're, you're fine. You're grand. And you know the way sometimes our friends mm. will say something and they don't always mean it. But this friend anyway, and I said, look, you're off with your family and you, you hang out with your kids. And he said, no, seriously, come up. I need a favor from you anyway. And so I did go up and only for he texted me back to say, come up. I went up. He saw my back. He didn't say anything. He referred me to dermatology in St. Vincent's in, in uh, Dublin on the Marion Road. And they had me in within probably about a week. And the process kind of started from there. Now, again, I thought I was indestructible. I wasn't going to die, any of that, that kind of never being sick before and all that kind of nonsense. And when I went in to get my results, so they took the mole off and they sent it off for, for a test. And then I went in to get the results. And my incredible dermatologist, Lohim Moriarty, was there. And my husband came in with me. So she's talking to me about melanoma and I didn't know what melanoma was. No one in my family had ever had cancer before. So cancer wasn't even a, a conversation we'd had. And turns out this was a pretty, um, pretty deadly cancer. It is a deadly cancer. So, so that was fine. She's talking to me about cancer. And then she said, <laughs> she said to me, you might have to have a surgery on your groin. So not even you will have to, you might have to. So when she said surgery and groin, I... I slid down the chair. I remember it so vividly. I kind of leaned forward a little bit and woke up on the floor. I completely passed out. So, <laughs> I, oh man, I'm so in shock. And she was like, yeah. that happens to a lot of guys. And I'm like, we're women. Yeah. <laughs> totally not able. Um, and then, funnily enough, because I'd never had surgery before either, and my groin, and oh, look, all of that stuff. And it rolled from there into not only might have to have a surgery in my groin, I actually had to have a huge extensive surgery in my groin called a lymph node dissection. So it's about a, a 10 or 11 inch scar. Uh, I have a, a wide local excision on my lower back where they took all the skin from the original cancer site. Um, that's, that's pretty big as well. That's seven or eight inches across my back. Um, scars all over. I had nine, 10 maybe surgeries. It was cancer in my lymphatic system. Well. 
I was a big, a big process, and there was my team are incredible. My oncologist, my surgical team, my my uh, dermatology team had sepsis twice. Then following on from it because of the surgeries and and have no lymph nodes and sepsis is a is a an issue that might pop up again, and my future is quite likely will be. And um, that's blood poisoning, so it's pretty deadly. So yeah, it was three years ago, kind of this period, and it was it was definitely a challenging period, but. But I have a really positive outlook, and I did at that point, and I always had before it. I was always a pretty happy uh, guy and pretty uh, positive thinking and um, positive outlook on life 90% of the time. So so I had that with me as a tool that I could use during that period, and, and it definitely helped. That's, that's powerful. Like, and when that would... Like... When, when you were going through it at the time, did you make promises to yourself to say, right, if I get through this, I'm going to do A, B, and C, and like I'm going to like achieve this, I'm going to achieve that? Yeah, so that was definitely the bargaining I was doing with, with myself or with the the universal spirit or whatever you want to call it or the deity or whatever people call it. At that point, I was I was actually struggling with my, my belief systems. And not to say I'm not now, I, I question everything and I'm still searching and still struggling. And, mm. and throughout my life, uh, spirituality or religion has, has always been something that has been uh, important to me and of interest to me. So at that point, I was actually going through a pretty difficult period in terms of what I believed. And I was probably not quite agnostic, maybe a bit further towards being atheist at that point. Um, but I, I was wearing a, a Kabbalah string and I have one on now actually in a, a newer one. Um, and I've been wearing Kabbalah, uh, which is essentially Jewish, Jewish mysticism. It's not Judaism necessarily, but it's, it stems from that uh, okay. part of the world and, and Israel and, and the, uh, it stretches back to Hermeticism and, and um, mystery schools in Egypt and that kind of thing. So oh, yeah. I had I was wearing something that was of spiritual significance to me. And so do you think I, like this pushed you more towards something like spirit, some sort of spiritual enlightenment? Yeah, I think it was a bit of a kick for me, and it reminded me of the importance of that search and that yeah. I had been on and that I kind of stepped away from. Um, and why I stepped away from it, I don't know, for various different reasons, maybe. And maybe this was a, a wake-up call for me. And I've mixed uh, beliefs on on that that would would take a lot more than, than a podcast to go through. But the, I think there was something yeah. bigger that was uh, taking me back onto a path that I should have been on, that I'd stepped off. And, and there was, I I had a bit of arrogance around it, and, and I, I have addressed that. And I certainly, my ego has now been well and truly quietened. Yeah. It's mad. I always find that like powerful. There's so many similarities with that story. Like if you look at Edgar Tolle, you wrote the power now. Uh, you look at uh, Gandhi and even the Buddha. They all have similar stories where they've gone through this immense suffering and it just triggered something in them and enlightened them. And they found some, I suppose, spiritual enlightenment, but their own unique and personal belief their own unique uh, connection like it wasn't like oh you have to believe this way it was like their own kind of uh, personal belief but it was the suffering that triggered them onto this enlightenment yeah and i, I suppose we talk about or we look back to i mentioned the uh, mystery schools of egypt ancient egypt and uh, hermeticism and, and hermes trismegistus and, and the ancient greeks and uh, the emerald tablet and all of the things that have brought um I suppose, positive thinking or new thought into the world, which then um, the secret, the book, the secret would have stemmed from as well. 
all of those things would have been born out of the the person personal seeking of of turning base metal into gold but essentially that's a metaphor for spiritual growth so how do we grow as spiritual beings um so so yeah definitely for me and and you mentioned um not telling people uh, the buddha and gandhi and and eckhart tolle and those kind of people not telling people what they should believe more saying you find your own spirituality or you find your own link to divinity and and i think that's important as well you know you you learn from people and you you take from from uh, religious teachings and, and i certainly wouldn't tell anyone what to believe or not to believe but you find your own way and your own path yeah, and your own journey exactly. and, and that's the key and, and yeah I, I, I class myself as like a la carte religious like you know i take bits and pieces out of this like i love the the, the meditation in, in the buddhism and i love love thy neighbor in like um christianity you know but always, as you said you know it's finding your own unique formula that works for you and i think one of the one of the metaphors to use in Buddhism is that say if there's a, a ship out in the middle of the ocean, it's up to you to build your own raft and get out of that ship. And ship and the reason they use the the analogy for a raft is that like your raft is made with whatever is around you, whatever you can I suppose find around you in your environment, and using that raft to get out of the ship you know in the middle of the ocean whatever that is around you and as another as i heard another guy say as well there's, there's more than one way to get to dunleary you know so there's more than one way to get that enlightenment whatever way it may be and that's it and and uh, the the um kabbalah or kabbalist saying would be all paths lead to god it doesn't matter which one you're on you could be um you could be Muslim or you could be Christian or you could be uh, a pagan or you could be a Satanist or you could be Wiccan or whatever pathway you want to take to to get or you could be none of the above. Um, so whatever journey you you were on and whatever is right for you. And it's about that connection, I think, with with that uh, divinity and, and that divine power that none of us, no matter who we are, are ever going to understand while we're in these mortal vessels as i would often describe them uh, which are wonderful and great but while we live in this material world that we live in it's i mean the universe is so vast and if, if we look outside even our solar system and, and the galaxy we, we we live in and and then even outside of that again it's incomprehensible really how vast it is and then we start looking inside of us and it's almost as incomprehensible if not is as incomprehensible it's it's so vast as well so and we talk yeah, about yeah. um or or, or the her- hermetists uh would talk about um the or occultists or esotericists would talk about um what is outside is inside or as above so below that kind of thing you know um so so yeah i think i think the answers are both outside and inside always yeah, it's it's so true, isn't it? And look, I find like even when I get into the sea, I just get this really divine connection. And sometimes I get it when I'm walking through, like going on hikes and just in, in with nature. You know, and there's no distractions there. If you talk about the universe, so even looking up at the stars, and you realize how big and vast the world and the universe is, that you can get so bogged down with your your problems or the traffic jams or getting an email in on time that you forget yep. how big the world is and everything that's going on. And it's very humbling, like when you realize that, like the re- natural connection that's out there. That's it, and and it does 
kind of put that email that might have been a bit snarky or the person emailing you might have read it the wrong way and based on um, whatever your belief systems your values and, and your your own representation of the world you might have read it the way it wasn't intended but but looking at the universe and, and the the expanse of it really puts the that email into perspective and is it that big of a deal and the reality is well, well, no. And now I would also, um, you know, I talk about those little things in life not being that big of a deal um, and focusing on your goals and working towards them and uh, in a kind of health or leather kind of way. But I do kind of also have, add a caveat to say some things are a big deal. I mean, if it's a mortgage payment that you need to address, that is don't park that for too long. You know, there are, yeah. there are, we live in, we live in Caesar's world, you know, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, um, that kind of idea. We live in this material world. We live by the rules of it as well. And we have yeah. to, there are certain things that we need to do as well. So, so yes, look outside and, and look inside, but also there are, uh, responsibilities that we have, um, that, yeah. that need to be addressed and you can't, you can't um, forsake all of them just to go. Well, some people do, and and you find uh, some people go into the east and and they go looking for the answers. And and um, I know a lot of theosophists would have done that. Uh, Helena Petrova Blavatsky or Madame Blavatsky was was one of the founders, if not the, the main founder of, of theosophy, and and went into the east. And and of course she. She found um, Jay uh, Krishnamurti, uh, who, who's an absolute fantastic, uh, incredible spiritual uh, person. He's passed on, of course, but um, some people do forsake it all and, and go on the journey. But a lot of people in, in the world, certainly uh, that I live in, a lot of people can't do that or, or don't want to. How, how do you find that balance, though? You know, because I know that I went to that extreme where I was trying to go like go travel and wanted to find myself and I wasn't gonna climb the corporate ladder anymore and I was gonna just meditate and get in the sea every day. But then at the same time I needed to pay a mortgage, I needed to pay bills and I needed to live life on life's terms. I wasn't being realistic, you know, where the, the job was stressing me out. Plus the, but I wanted to also find like a natural resource I'd connect it. But how like how would you say you'd find that balance with both? It's and I'll come back down to the kind of more mundane um, aspect of of and it's not necessarily mundane, but it's the less spiritual aspect of what I do when I'm when I'm coaching people. And you've you introduced me and you, and you said quite a bit of what I do, and I do quite a lot. And, and art is another thing that I do, and I'm a, a painter, a visual artist. But when I'm coaching people, one of the the things I work on, and I use neuro linguistic programming or NLP, and I'm a, an NLP mind coach, and I would specialize in transformation and, and finding someone's goals or finding their purpose or their their will their their true will um why they're here the dharma uh, as they would say as well or your your tao um so what is it that you want so so it's about aligning that with the the your values so tony robbins i, I mentioned earlier speaks about values and, and so does everybody really but he does it in a really effective way i think and what are what what do you want out of your life so let's write down a list do you want to travel more than you want to stay at home and pay a mortgage i mean what's more important to you is it your spiritual journey or can you combine them can you do you have kids that are, are a huge responsibility that i would never tell anybody to to leave that if you have children you need to take a back seat and they need to become one of the most important people in your life you need to mm -hmm. to follow and and work on those responsibilities so so where are you now and what do you want in the future what's your five or ten year goals 
And then how do we get there? So while some people can go and move to Fiji or can go and move and, and travel around California or the US or go to the East and, and find their, their spirituality, some people can't. So what can you do and what's the time frame of getting you to where you want to go? And is what you're doing making you happy? Are you fulfilled by it? Is it fulfilling? And fulfillment is one of the most important things that, that we can do while we're here for blink of an eye in, in the lifespan of the universe is is what we're here we're here on this earth for the blink of an eye are we fulfilled while we're here and if not how can we be more fulfilled yeah it's powerful yeah and how how would someone like find out of what their values are like their own because everyone has different values mm-hmm. you know how do people work towards finding out what their values are to help answer yeah, their questions I, Sure. And, and not only do people have different values, people have different um, definitions of what their values are. So I might say to you, I value friendship. And you might say, well, I value friendship as well. But we might have completely different ideas, definitions of what friendship actually means. So how do you find your values? When I'm talking to people about values, and we all have these values that we think people want to hear from us. So, oh, I value kindness and I value... And the, the, the vast majority of people do, of course. But when I'm talking about your values in the context of your goals, I'm talking about, okay, what are the things you do every day? So an example will be, you might say, I value my health and fitness. And I'll say, okay, fine. How do you exhibit that every day? Show me how you value that. And you'll say, oh, well, I swim and I train and I eat well and I don't drink and I don't do drugs and I don't do any of that. And I'll say, okay, that is definitely one of your values. It's, it's a value you have rather than one you want. If you're someone who is out drinking every night or doesn't train, doesn't it, it doesn't eat well, and you say, I value my health and fitness, I'd be saying, well, that's not really a value of yours. So, so what I'd say, what do you do every day, like nine to five? And quite often, if I'm working with someone, I'll give them a sheet and it'll be break down your day into from when you get up to when you go to bed. How do you spend your day? Do you spend it in work? Do you spend it training? Do you spend it painting if you want to be a painter or writing if you want to be a writer? And then we work on what your current values are. So these are your values. What values do you want? Can you replace them with something else? Do you want to value your health? Okay, fine. We will work on that. But how do you introduce that into your daily life, your weekly life? So can you go for a walk for an hour or two hours? So your values are really things that you do every day throughout the week and the month and the year and the years of your life. They're the things that you really value. Do you value making money? Okay, fine. How are you doing that? If you want to make money and you want it to be a value, you need to take steps to to creating that in your life and, and making money. And that, uh, money, I, I, I don't really always talk about money, actually, because I don't think it's, it is very important, of course, for a lot of things, but it's not the most important thing. It certainly wouldn't be something... I enjoy having money, of course, and we needed to live in the world we live in, but it's not something that would be top of my list for striving for. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. And how would you prioritize what your like values are? Because you said all that stuff and said, yeah, that's value mine. Yeah, that's value mine. That's like, I suppose it's about like making an action plan and and the execution then as well. Well, what the question I would ask somebody is, what do you want? So what do you want? Have a think about it. Sometimes it can take a few days, a few weeks. You don't have to tell, say it right now. And what you decide now, and a lot of it, this can catch a lot of people because they can kind of say, well, I want it now, but I might not want it in five years. And that's fine. We're not talking about what you want in five years because 
it's like you're an airplane taking off and you're going towards New York. You know where you're going. You know what you want. You want to get to JFK. Halfway there, you can divert and go to what um, LAX. You know, you don't have to continue on all the way, but you need to have a focus for what you're doing every day when you get up. What do I want? This is what I want. How am I going to get there? I'm going to do this, this, and this today to get me that bit closer to it. It's like building a wall. You have to start by putting the bricks down. The wall doesn't just develop. It's brick by brick. How do you do it? Put the bricks, put the bricks down. So what do you want? I mean, um, and, it, and it's a question that a lot of people, a lot of people get caught up on. And a lot of people don't know. A lot of people have to think about it. And one of the reasons is they're afraid to admit what they want because they're afraid of what other people, and back to circle back to the start, what other people might think about them. And the fact is, we never know. And the other fact is, it doesn't matter what they think about you. It's, it matters what you think about you. And it's your life. The only constant in your life from birth until death is you, nobody else. Even mm-hmm. even your family who you love and your friends who you love, they're not going to be with you all through your life. You are. You're the only constant. So you got to, of course, look after other people and help other people. You're a person too. you got to look after yourself. So you got to focus on what you want out of, out of the world and the life that you have. So what is it you want? And then we start on, well, how do we get there? Is it aligned with your values? If not, can we align it with them? Can we change your values? There are questions that then stem on from that. But the basic is, what do you want? What do you want? Yeah, that's powerful. And as you said, it's hard to always kind of realize what, what you what you genuinely want. Like you look at Instagram, you want the car, you want the fitness, and then but then or you look at family, oh, I want to get the degree to impress my mom, or like you know, yeah. you're always doing it for other people. But then it's supposed yeah. to well, be into what genuinely makes me happy. Yeah, and that's it. And and it's funny you should say that because well, I mentioned earlier, and it can be a bit confusing when you're when you're explaining values to people because, and I said earlier, we have our, our quite often I say feelings uh, when I'm talking about certain values. So you have your moving away from values, the feelings that you don't want in your life. You don't want to feel rejected. You don't want to feel hurt. You don't want to feel any of those feelings. And then you got your moving towards values. So you want to feel pride or you want to feel happy or you want to feel like you're making someone else proud, maybe. Um, so there you're moving towards. So that's the focus. That's the direction we're going in. And then when we get there, you've got your means values and your ends values. So we all know the phrase a means to an end. So these values, what are these values you're getting and what do they give you? And as you said, you want to get your degree to make your mum proud. What does that give you? You want to get the car to whatever. What does that give you? You want to get the fancy bag. You want to get a million euro. What is the end of that? So by looking at the ends values, and this is what I would really focus on with a, with a client if I'm working with, with someone one-on-one, what do you want to feel in life? And a lot of times people say, I want to feel accepted. I want to feel loved. I want to be happy. So all of the things that we want and, and the nice cars and the, the, the nice uh, designer clothing and that kind of thing, we think that they're going to give us the, the ends values. So the, the feeling of, of acceptance because I look cool and people will think I'm cool. But the fact is you are cool. There's nothing wrong with who you are and you don't have to dress up in certain designer clothing to, to impress people to make you feel like you're you're worthy and it's about feeling worthy in yourself and and feeling feeling valuable and and a lot of people don't so your ends value what do you want what is it all about what's it for what does it give you and if we can find out what that is you're golden because 
how do we get you to that point? You can be happy right now. You can be feel loved right now. There are people in your life who love you. So why are you striving for a degree maybe or a car or, or the bag to yeah. feel loved? You are you are loved and love yourself. And I, it's a, and look, this none of this is easy. Um, I make it sound really, as I speak really quickly, that it's easy. None of it's easy. It's all, we're all growing. It's all a journey. It's progress and it's step by step. And sometimes it's you step back. Yeah. But keep going forward, you know. So, so yeah, it's it, it, the focus on all of this. Everything we do is to get us to a, a positive. And, and this is why we take drugs and this is why we take alcohol because while we're doing it, they make us feel good. They don't mm. always make us feel good afterwards and quite often they don't at all. But it's while we're, we're drinking, we feel good. And um, while we're doing drugs, we feel good and that kind of thing. We, we're motivated by what makes us feel good, not necessarily what's good for us. So why do we eat junk food? Because it makes us feel good. It, it satisfies a craving. It, it, it's not good in the long run, but in that moment, um, we, and we have no willpower, and, and now we're everything we want in the generation we live in, everything we want it immediately, we want it right now. So we want that craving satiated. So we want to go and eat the burger, the Pringles. And in moderation, there's nothing wrong with any of that. But what? why are we doing it? What, yeah. what is the answer? that what is it it's to make us feel good uh sex makes us feel good no, nothing wrong with sex of course as well we are seeing a bit of an epidemic now with with porn addiction which is is leading to to other issues so why are we doing it all and it's essentially to make us feel good and and there's nothing wrong we're feeling beings as i said earlier there's nothing mm. wrong with feeling good yeah and it's so true and well. i suppose it can, as you said there, it can get unhealthy. That when I look, I feel down. It's right. The only way I can feel good is if I eat this chocolate cake, or if I watch this porn, or if I fucking do this line of coke, or if I drink this bottle of vodka. In the more extreme cases, like this, like my I've learned I've this core belief, or I've I've learned this thought process that in order for me to meet, feel good, I need to do A, B, or C. And I suppose it's, you talked about going back to the values. That a lot of the time, I'm ignoring what my values are, and if we start to embrace what my values are and, to, and do what Column likes to do, I'm less likely to seek that feel good feeling in something else. And yeah, and I mean, a perfect one, a perfect value would be health and fitness. Certainly at the moment, and all that's going on, and, and we're so conscious about our health and our fitness. And it is challenging now with gyms being closed and that kind of thing, but. Does a question you could ask yourself, I value my health and my fitness. So is what I'm doing helping me get to the value that I want or, or the goal that I'm working towards or not? Does it hinder it? So yeah. if it is excessive overeating and and there's nothing wrong with the, the Burger King or the, the Pringles at all, again, in moderation, but over a prolonged period of time, is that the right fuel for your body if you want to get to your fitness and health goals? And the values that you have in that aspect of, of your world, and and we use—I mean, I use another great tool called the Circle of Success or, or the Wheel of Life. It's, it's commonly known as, and a lot of people would have used it. So you break your your life into different sections, and it could be your health and fitness, your finance, your family, your friends, um, your spirituality, and you rank yourself. So you mark yourself from one to ten, one being the least um, good, and where you are so take spirituality where are you on that one being not at all uh, or and 10 being you're enlightened you're you're awakened and that kind of thing so where are you and where do you want to be and if that's something you want to focus on or value more 
we can we can create because values are not things we're born with. I mean, without getting into what where we've come from before we were born, we are basically born with a with a blank slate. So the belief systems that we have, the habits we have, the values that we have are always changing. We we learn a lot of them in our early age, and a lot of the ones that we learn in early age stay with us and are long lasting and quite often generational actually, and we pass them on to our, our kids and, and so on and so forth. But they can all be changed, of course, but some of them are just ingrained and they can be a bit more challenging to change. But we get them all as we're growing up and we get them from our peer group and, and the, the adults in authority, our parents, our guardians, our school teachers, TV, podcasts, radio, that kind of thing, or, or Instagram, all the social media kind of stuff now at the moment. So that's where we're getting our values and our beliefs and our habits and those kind of things from. So are, 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 they, are they helping us in our lives? Are they getting us to where we want to go? Are they supporting us or are they a problem? Do we need to address them? And they can yeah. all be changed. So any of the values that we might work on or that we might have can be changed. You can change the values that you have um, and the belief systems and, and, of course, the habits as well. Yeah, that, that's powerful. And so... Just like going back to your story, did, were were you like were you doing into life coaching before you had before you got the cancer diagnosis, or was this something that triggered you to say, "No, this is something I want to do"? Yeah, so uh, the life coaching and um, life coaching is kind of the broad umbrella uh, we kind of come under, I suppose. Um, I, I would be slightly different in life coaching that I don't work on every aspect of your life. I really want to help you get to or I help my clients rather get to their purpose and their true will or the, the great work as it's also called. So why are you here? Why are you on this earth? Why? And this is stemming from me asking the question. So why am I here? What am I doing here? What is it all for? And, and sometimes I think I know the answer and sometimes I don't. So what am I doing? And, and a lot of what I do is creative. So it's creative expression. Before I got sick, I, I would have been incredibly positive. And, uh, and I remember... Uh, recording a podcast with a with a guy years ago, probably 2015, a few years before I got sick, and he knew me from from living in the same area, and he's an art uh, he he records art podcasts, um, and he called the the podcast episode the oh god the the secret of happiness or the art of happiness because he said Steve you're the happiest person I've ever met, and I've <laughs> always been incredibly positive at 90 percent of the time, so. So yeah, it was always something that was with me. So and and people would often say if we we could bottle you up, you know that kind of thing. You'd make a fortune if you could bottle what you have. So after I got sick, I I started looking at it. Okay, how do I develop? How do I grow? Um, how can I help other people to do it? And looking at, I remember one day really vividly, I was in going in to see my oncologist. So I just had a couple of scans, a brain scan and and a, a, a chest scan, so an MRI and a CT. And I remember sitting in the waiting room and there was such sadness and fear and worry in the people around me. And I was so thrilled to be alive. I was looking outside and I was so blessed and grateful that I was still here and I was able to look at the beautiful uh, world that we live in and breathe in the beautiful air that we, we breathe in. And I, I started questioning why I was like that and other people weren't and how I could help people and and I'm con absolutely aware uh, and conscious of the fact that you can bring people to to something you can tell them but sometimes it's just not the right fit for them but what I started to do was was share how I did it the tools I use so 
reframing the situation. So what are the good parts of the situation? Well, I'm here and I'm breathing and I'm alive. Uh, not worrying, worrying being one of the biggest wastes of time. So why would you worry? Yes, something bad could happen, but also something amazing could happen. And quite often mm. the things we waste our time worrying about don't happen either. You know, <laughs> for me, I would have never worried about cancer and it was cancer that got me. Rather, you know, I yeah. would have worried about something else. And, and now I don't worry anymore. And, and these are the kind of things that I share when I'm, I'm speaking or not speaking anymore because the world is shut down because of COVID. But when I speak at events, I, I share these kind of tools and, and techniques that I use that, that help me through, through challenging periods or have in the past at least. I find that powerful as well, that you, you using your own experience, you know, your own struggle from the past to make a more kind of personalized connection with people who are also struggling. And, you know, I, I do a bit of work with people in addiction and the people in mental health. And sure. like I find that it's only from using my past experiences with those things that I get a more personalized connection with people, you know, being able to identify and recognize and say, look, not only I, I see you're down that dark hole, I'll jump down that dark hole with you. And because this is how I've gotten out of here before, you know what I mean? I've been down here and I know exactly what you're going through. And look, you can use, I suppose, that past struggle or that past pain to to help other people because you, you really understand what it's like. And as you as, and you talk about gratitude and you can hear it in your voice, you know, that when like we take, can take simple things for granted, you know what I mean? Like that, you know, like being able to go for a walk outside, you know, being able to take in the nature around us, you know, being able to, you know, I remember the, being in hospital before in the past and you know and i, I remember th thinking to myself i wish if, uh, only i can do this if i get out and i'm making all these deals with god saying if i get out of here i'll do this and if i get out of here i'll do that and i think you get out and like for me i remember when i was at the Brit, Brit, i suppose when i was at my rock bottom with addiction making all these pleas with, with, with the universe or god whatever you want to say please if you get me out of this mess i'll never do that again but then as soon as i get out of dodge I'm like gosh oh, look one one with the only harm and then it's right back on the wagon again like you know but because of the struggles we've been through i find i can use that experience to help other people and truly like, i suppose doing that I, I, i'm i'm i feel at peace and at ease and i'm able to help other people and there's no better wages out there and you talked about worrying and you know when i look at all my worrying a lot of times it's down to self-centered worries that's all about column and you know fear my money fear my health fear what people think about me you know what i mean i don't have a fear what people think about Stephen. like you know what i mean i'm self-centered like that but the only way that for me one of the ways to overcome that well a few of the ways number one is gratitude and the other way is to think of other people and say like, how can i help other people and a lot of the time it's me using my past experiences through pain or through that struggle to say look i've been there and i've got through it this too shall pass but just keep going buddy you know keep up one foot in front of the other and i promise you this will pass i've been there well, that's it. And, and a couple of really um, powerful messages there. Uh, one being this will pass. I mean, if we're guaranteed, certainly at the moment with with COVID, and this can be applied to anything we're going through. It will pass. It will end. And, and look, for some people, it, it might be, you know, it, it could be a different kind of ending. But the vast majority of people, for the vast majority of people, COVID will end. I mean, we're guaranteed of that. So it's about just uh, battening down the hatches and just holding steady and, and getting through it. And another thing you mentioned about having lived experience can really be beneficial when you're when you're sharing your story with people or when you're trying to help people. When you're coming 
at it from a from a point of view that's authentic and it's real to you rather than just an academic understanding of something and i'm not saying that uh, an ac- you have to have experienced something to be able to share or help people absolutely not but it absolutely does help and i, I certainly find myself people are more open to listening to your advice if they know you've had those struggles and you're not just after reading it from a book you know and and uh, i see a lot of it and, and no judgment or no shade on anybody but a lot of new self-help people and i see them on, online and, and they they haven't had struggles or at least uh, there's no sign of having had any major struggles in their past and they're they're trying to or they're they're in their late teens and they're trying to help people to to move through their lives you know um whereas if it's someone who has struggled and, and has entered that dark night of the soul probably several times and and had uh, seen their shadow side and all of those kind of things if it's someone like that i think a lot of people are more open to to listen to and and it's much more real uh, and the energy is certainly there and you can feel it from the people uh, not necessarily just hear it you can feel it as well so so yeah definitely i would say it's important and it's, and it is and like the way the way I look at it now, you know, my journey that some of my rock bottoms are probably the greatest things that ever happened to me. You know, when I remember hearing a guy say, you know, that his breakdowns and breakups they led to breakthroughs. You know, he had a mental breakthrough when he hit that rock bottom. Like, you know what I mean? And I suppose for me that now I, that 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 struggle and that pain was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because I have that gratitude for the simple things today, and I have you know I have that that I want change, I want something, I want to do the best that I can do with what I have, and as and and you talked about you know when you got that cancer diagnosis that it helped you to realize that you know we we can take simple things and, and like life for granted, and we just expect it's going to be there and we make up tomorrow, but it's not always the case so sometimes we need that bit of spark motivation and for me my, my, I suppose my spark tr- came through a uh, true struggle yeah and I mean a lot of people who will be listening to this and a lot of people out there certainly who I speak to and I would I would go as far as to say everybody we don't re- we're incredibly resilient and we don't give ourselves enough credit for all that we've come through and, and quite often at the start of a talk and, and certainly if it's a smaller group I will get the people to spend a couple of minutes just thinking about all of the the things they've come through in their lives and how they've gotten back up when they've been knocked down. And and sometimes they're knocked down and, you know, before they can get back up, they're knocked down even further than they thought they could fall, but they get back up and humans do. Mm -hmm. We're incredibly resilient. And and I see it all around me. And it's the silent kind of strength in, in people that is incredibly inspiring that, you know, they just do it. They get back up, they get knocked down. People who are who are struggling at the moment with work and, and bills and all of that and, and other stuff that's going on in the house they don't talk about, but they get back up and every day they face the world. And they're the people that I say when they say, oh, I'm afraid to put myself forward because that, what someone might say or not say. I say, but look at all that you've done in the past. Look at the amazing achievements you've had in the past and you can do it. That's I, I would call that your success bank. Look at the successes you've had, or not even necessarily successes, but look what you've done. Look how amazing you are. How do we use that going forward to get you what you want? Um, because you've achieved so much already in your life. Yeah, it's so powerful, isn't it? And that is the case that we are way too hard on ourselves. And you know, we hard. take like if someone else doing the stuff that we do, we, we'd be like, wow, they're incredible. Yeah. But 
we if we do it ourselves then this inner perfectionist comes in and we're like yeah it's okay but it could be better or you know you don't even take credit you're already looking at the next thing or the next thing you know that you can't actually acknowledge and give yourself credit and give yourself that little pat on the back and say well done yeah and i, and I get uh, when i'm giving workshops I, I get people to give themselves a pat on the back there is actually a section at the start of the workshop that is give yourself a pat on the back it's so important what have I achieved look at all the amazing things I've done and you know what I'm going to give myself credit for it because as you say and you're so right we would give other people credit for it you know if our best friend did it or our child or our, our another loved one if they did it we'd be you know we'd be delighted yeah. for them we don't always give ourselves a pat on the back and and we are, you know, we live in our own world. And, and you mentioned earlier there was uh, selfish came up and the word and, and sometimes it can be used in a pejorative and it could be a bad word. And, and it's not always a bad thing to to focus on looking after and being kind to you with, of course, helping other people as well. And we need help from them, too. But but looking inwards as well sometimes can be important. And looking after yourself to enable you to look after other people, too. Um, you know, so so that can be important too. Yeah, so it's not always you, can't, a bad you can't pour from an empty glass. Well, yeah, that is true. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. Yeah, it's, it's it's mad, isn't it? And you know, you talk a lot about creativity as well. And like, what what sort of tools would you use to help you spark creativity? Like, I, I see your paintings on uh, on Instagram, and they're absolutely incredible. Like Amy, the Amy Winehouse paintings you put up are unreal. Like, like, have you always like have you always been good at painting, or is something you got into recently? And what like what kind of spark do you to kind of find that creative spark within you? Yeah, so we, I believe that we're all creative beings and we live in a creative universe and we all have an ability to create and we have a unique voice that nobody else has. And, and that voice, not necessarily how we speak, of course, but it can be, but how we express ourselves creatively. So for me, it could be painting or it could be uh, I'm writing a, a third novel at the moment, would you believe? Well. And <laughs> it, that, that's how I express myself. Other people do it in different ways. Other people are creative and they're creative in terms of the family that they have or they're creative and they might be in an industry that they're creative and they use that creative flow. Yeah. And when I say that they're creative, I, I love that when we look back into the past, um, the ancient Greeks or the ancient Romans actually both would have always believed that creativity came from another source, from a divine source, so from divinity. Mm. And it was passed to us, to the human by a daemon or a muse and we were it was of us but it wasn't from us it was from divinity so that was like that, that was incredibly yeah it was it's incredibly beautiful and it was incredibly helpful for the creators at that point because it took the pressure off uh, a lot of creative people that i know are terrified of putting their work out there because they're terrified of criticism and what people think and again back to the circling back to the start of this you never know what people are going to think. So just do it anyway. And once you're happy with it. But it took that away. It took that pressure off when they thought it was from divinity. And it actually made it much more beautiful and much more important that you share that creative voice you have. Because it's not actually yours. It's divinity using you as a conduit to create something in, in the world. 
And then the Renaissance happened, and, and I'm very happy the Renaissance happened um, and, uh, in, uh, in Europe. And, and people started to get much more egotistical about their creati- creativity and their creations. And it became more from them, not divinity. So, and there's a multitude of different reasons as to why that happened. But it became more, this is me, and this is all mine, and I'm the okay. creator. And then that brought the the fear of rejection and criticism. And that has, I think, hampered a lot of people's true expression of their creative voice. Yeah. Um, and whatever way that is, be it singing or be it writing or be it any any form of creativity. And again, we're all creative being. Everything we do is a creation. Everything. Yeah, that's that's powerful. Because like, as you said there, when you make your own, then, you, then your ego takes over. And when your ego takes over, then the, the fear of rejection or the fear of judgment comes in. Mm-hmm. But as you said, yeah. if that's come from somewhere divine, you're just the middleman. You know, you're just the messenger. You know, that, that thought has been put into your head. You know, you could be writing comedy you could be writing books or writing mm-hmm. a you know writing a thriller and you've just got this amazing idea in your head you're sitting on the bus looking out the window and you get this powerful idea that came out of nowhere and then that's the thing like who put that thought there why is it there you know well, what i mean and, 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 so, and, uh, i would argue that it doesn't come out of nowhere and we could look at but i know what you mean by that you're kind of questioning yourself saying where did that come from uh, it's interesting yeah. in the past that before we had the technology and communication that we do, that there were people all around the world who were having similar ideas at the same time. And, and we could call that the uh, collective unconscious or the Akashic record or uh, like the, the spiritual version of the cloud that we now have. I mean, people would often scoff at the Akashic records and, and I don't know where I even stand on them, but they're like the, the history, uh, past and future history of, of the universe, essentially. But we have a cloud up in the sky that is not tangible, that is is data and it's mm. it, it's there and we can draw from the cloud all of this information. So yeah. that kind of, you know, that kind of brings the, it does the Akashic record actually exist? And that is something you, you'll find throughout yeah. certain uh, religions, actually. They, they talk about it a lot. But where does it come from? For me, I would say it's a combination of something that comes from an, another source, a, a divine source, maybe. And it's a mixture of, or it's colored by our own experiences and our own feelings and our own uniqueness yeah. as, as individual humans. So it's a combination yeah. of both, I would say. But that's, that's powerful. And it's like, yeah, Carl Jung talked about that as well, about the, the synchronized consciousness that we can all kind of plug into and, yeah. you know, that we we're downloading someone else's thoughts or thoughts from the past or so, you know, it, it, it's, it's mad when you look into it. But like, how come some people are more creative than others? Like, how come it seems that... Um, like for example, um, you say Tommy Tiernan wrote all the best jokes, or that, um, <laughs> or you could say how could, Bruce Springsteen wrote, wrote all these good songs, or like how come only how come certain people seem to be instruments of creativity compared to the, the other people that aren't? Is it something that people are just acting on them creative thoughts that they're getting, and other people are getting sitting on the bus gets this creative thought and just doesn't do any action with it you know what i mean our execu- execution and just lets it and forgets about it you know it's like it's like when you you have a, this the craziest dream and you and you you, you don't think of, you have think about it that morning then you don't think about it again you forget then is that like do you know what i'm trying to say like how come some yeah, people seem I, to I, utilize the creativity and, and some people don't yeah so the, there's a mixture of things there and and i think you're so right a lot of people will get the idea and they'll let it go um and some people won't and some people 
will maybe get the idea and try it and someone will say it's crap and they'll drop it and they'll never be a success if they go about their lives like that. And and I, I always use, I use lots of different examples, but what, um, Marilyn Monroe is one incredible example, actually. But one that I use that is perfect for this is J.K. Rowling or uh, Rowling. Um, so she... She's quoted as saying when she was writing Harry Potter, she was as poor as it's possible to be in the UK without being homeless. So that's that's how poor she was. She was living in a home. But imagine what her home was like. Imagine the cupboards were probably bare. She probably had no money for electricity. She's nothing, basically. As poor as it's possible being homeless. And she believed in herself when nobody else did. And she started writing Harry Potter. And she, she sent it off. She submitted it to people who are in the industry that you would think would know better who would know what they're looking at when they see a Harry Potter arrive in their desk, but they kept rejecting it. How many people out there have been rejected and have then stopped and not mm. pursued or their dream or their creativity. But JK Rowling wasn't one of them and she believed in herself and nobody else did. And she kept pushing it and kept pushing it. And finally, someone picked it up and her work, her creative voice that has come from somewhere else and again as i say it's i believe a combination of of from her and from her but not of her it's of uh divinity but a, a combination of that but she has changed the lives of millions of people across the world enriched the lives of millions of people across the world and what different what what resources do the people listening to this have that jk rowling again as poor as this poor as it's possible to be in the UK without being homeless. What resources do the people listening have that she didn't have and use those resources to create something? And I'm not saying you have to be a JK Rowling and and create this this huge body of of creative work that is phenomenal. Um, Probably some of the biggest selling books in the world, apart from the Bible, I think they are, um, or certainly in that category. You don't have books. My actually, funny enough, at the moment, um, one is one is a positive uh, kind of thinking book and tool. So it's on draft one. It's sitting there beside me. The second one is is a thriller. It's a bit more esoteric in in theme and, and tone, and and it's um, it deals with Rosicrucianism and it deals with um, AI and the singularity and Freemasonry and all those kind of things. So it, it, that's going very well. I, I'm working on uh, some work on that now as, as well, not right now, but as just before I came on here. Um, so yeah, they're going very awesome. well. So it's, that's how I express myself. And, and yeah. I wrote a book on a uh, procrastination, but I still haven't started yet. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, that's, that's powerful. And I think the thing with J.K. Rowling is the difference is that she just believed in herself, that she kept going because she believed in what she was doing. Not only is that key, I mean, she believed in herself, and that's important, that's incredibly important, but she took action. She did the work. I mean, you can believe in yourself to the cows come home and believe how wonderful and great you are, and and that's that's magic. I mean, that's where you want to be. But if you want to get something done, if you want to get it out there, you have to take the first step. If she believed in herself but didn't write the first line, she'd be believing in herself sitting in her house and probably homeless at this point. So, you know, it's, it's action, 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 action. Is If someone asks me what is the one thing that can get you closer to success, and it doesn't guarantee it, of course, but one thing that can get you closer, take action. Even if, yeah. if it's one word, if it's 10 words, if it's one 
a strike of paint on a paintbrush or on a canvas or just take action just do it that's powerful and, and just back to like and we were talking about suffering as well and I remember hearing an interview with J.K. Rowling she was talking about when she was most uh, creative she wrote her book when she was going through her own personal struggles and it seems creativity does tend to have a relationship with, 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 with when we're going through hard times we, we can be our most creative like you know what I mean like Van Gogh cut his ear off and then he went and painted like all these masterpieces in and around when he was going through his worst stage with mental health you know and i think i remember hearing post malone sharing uh, that he was like on the brink of suicide when he was writing all his best songs like you know what i mean so it's like there's a form there's like a struggle that comes with creativity when people are going through them creative sparks that does they're going through some sort of struggle as well yeah, it's not all rose in the garden you're in this great place and god's talking to you and you're you're writing down or you're painting or you know it's not always the case I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I've heard that a lot. Um, I, I don't necessarily agree. I do think the two things are, are mutually exclusive and they can be. Um, I, don't, I don't think that you need to be in the depths of darkness to be a genius a creator. I know a lot of creators who are incredibly, fabulously happy people most of the time and they create in those zones. Um, I think it, it can be... Some people are experience depression, absolutely, and they are incredibly creative, absolutely. And some people don't, and they are incredibly creative as well. I don't, I don't always like the the link because I think people try then to get themselves into that zone. Okay, like yeah. Francis Bacon, for instance, would get himself yeah. drunk and and he would get into that darkness to in order to create. And I don't know if that's what he was trying to do necessarily, but. I, I, I would say you don't need to be in, in the darkness of, of depression or sadness or you can be, but you don't need to be to create masterpieces or, or anything. Um, yeah. I know for me, I'm, I sing and I, I'm delighted with myself when I'm painting most of the time. Sometimes yeah. I, I find it helps me with stress. Sometimes I, if I'm a bit stressed, I'll paint. Sometimes if I'm incredibly happy, I'll paint. It, I don't think that... Yeah. that mood necessarily has to be a certain yeah. way to create although it doesn't mean that it doesn't help so you might find yourself creating much darker pieces if you're a bit gloomier or mm. much darker pieces if you're if you're happier but but they can be exclusive from each other absolutely yeah that's powerful and like what advice would you give to someone say they have something that they want to spread they want to reveal to the world you know what i mean could be this guy who plays football and he's an incredible singer you know or this girl and she's you know she could be good at wrestling you know what i'm trying to say is like someone that's just they don't want they have they know they're really talented at something and they want to let, let the world know like what advice would you have for that person that wants to just speak out and say, look, this this is me, this is what I want to do, and this is what I'm good at? Well, the first thing I'd say is, I'd take the pressure off and I'd say, what you create doesn't have to be for anybody else. It just has to be for you, and if it's something you want to do, go and do it. However, yeah. imagine that creative voice that you have can change someone's life. So if we look at singers like Adele, or singers like uh, Amy Winehouse, or even artists, who paint or, or poets who write, if we look at them, the, the impact that they have. So if someone's listening and they've been moved by a song, and we're, we're always moved by a piece of art and a creation like that. 
their music, their voice, their creative, unique creative voice no one else has can change someone else's life. So maybe you're being a bit selfish by not sharing it with the world. So yeah. share it with the world. I was, it's funny you should say that, actually. I was, a friend of mine just dropped her first uh, single today on, on, online. And she, I was texting her earlier and I was saying, Emma, you, you just did what everybody talks about, but pretty much nobody does. You took action. You put yourself out there. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, I'd love to do this and that and the other. If you don't put it out there, no one else knows. You know, she was only singing at home in her bedroom. No record producer will ever hear her. No music manager. Now, some people might not want that, but it is, I, I believe, I think, at least from, from my understanding of, of Emma, that's what she wants or part of what she wants. So if you don't put it out there, no one's going to know. So no one's going to be able to help you to get. And it's back to circle back to what do you want? So if you yeah. want to just write a book and have it in your room and it's only for you, more power to you. That's absolutely fine. Just do it. If you want to write a book and have it at number one in, in the New York Times bestseller list, you have to put it out there because it's not going to be a bestseller if it's sitting on your shelf. So it's, it's, it's again, just do it. So what it is that you want, just do it. I mean, there's no time like the present. Again, we're guaranteed only this conversation, this moment, nothing else is guaranteed. Who knows what could happen? Certainly with 2020, who knows what could happen in a week, a month, a year? Do the work, put it out there. And it, 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 look, it, it's part of the reason we're here, I believe. That's powerful. Yeah, just easy does it, but do it. Just feckin' do it. Believe in yourself. Yeah, well, well, yeah, I mean, there, there is a lot to be said for a bit of pressure as well. So yes, easy does it. And be easy on yourself as well. Don't give yourself too much of a hard time. But also a bit of pressure can be nice as well. You know, a little bit of a, a time frame on things. Like I just launched an art exhibition, my first one ever that isn't in person, again, due to COVID. If I didn't have the, the launch date of that, my art exhibition could have taken 25 years to do, you know, but I had that little bit of pressure. I have to have a release at this date or, you know, so a bit of pressure is important. So give yourself a timeline you know, a babies have a due date. Give your 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 goal a due date. I always talk about this. Give it a date. You don't have to hit it exactly on the nose. Again, like a baby, a baby could come the day before or after or a few days, whatever. You know what I mean? But give it a due date. You know, you can have a goal. I want to write a novel. Okay, when? <laughs> write down when. Because I want to write a novel and also get specific on what sort of novel you want to write. But that's a different kind of, uh, that'll take us in a different direction. But when do you want it? Do you want it in six months, in a year or 90 years? You know, <laughs> but give yourself a due date. A little bit of pressure is good, but not too much pressure. Yeah, I love that. I know, Steve. That's been brilliant. Come here, Steve. Thanks a million for coming on, man. Um, <laughs> no, my pleasure. My pleasure. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. I really got so much out of it, you know, talking about the spirituality, talking about like the, the take, taking that action, you know, and the creativity. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll meet you. I'll meet you someday either on the podcast charts or the book charts. <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely a deal. I, I yeah. <laughs> percent i'm on board with that one steven it's been an absolute pleasure and hopefully yeah, i'll see you in the, in the sea sometime for the dip if you're feeling brave yeah no i you'll never get me in the water but <laughs> I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll be sitting on the side after the coffee 
Yeah, but it's like and you just you build it up. Like my thing is it's start it's starting the summer. Like I've been doing about two years. Like I'm like that when people get into like the sea now, like there's so many people doing it, it's gone so fashionable. I'm like that guy that went travelling and like discovered Kings of Leon <laughs> and came home was like, Oh, I discovered this band before anyone else started listening to them. And that's what I'm like now with the sea. I'm like, Oh, you was getting in the sea before anyone else even knew. Yeah, yeah. I discovered the sea. I went for a walk one day and said, Oh, look, what's that blue thing over there? That's the sea. I'm going to get in no, there. Give me a laugh, uh, because I know a lot of my friends from Sandy Mend in Dublin 4 go out to Sandy Coven and out to Dunleary and out where you are, and they must drive you mad, all the yummy mummies going out. <laughs> oh, they have swarms of the place. <laughs> oh, Stephen, the, the most embarrassing thing ever happened to me. It was a, it was a high and a low. And like I went for a swim and I, I, I swam my longest distance. It was two kilometers, longest distance I ever swam. And I was buzzing. I got out to 40 foot and it was getting changed. And I looked down and I seen this man drop his face mask as he was walking away. So I picked up the face mask and I said, sorry, mate, your face mask. And he looked at me and he looked at the face mask and said, but that, that, that's not mine and I look at what I'm holding and it's a feckin' tong it's a g-string I'm holding <laughs> in my hand and I'm like oh shit sorry and I look and next thing this lady's like uh, that's, uh, that's mine and I'm like oh I'm so sorry and I just I didn't know what to do I just put back on the ground and like walked away slowly and I'm like I'm so sorry I didn't know and it's like I just wanted the ground to swallow me up so yeah, I don't go to the 40 foot anymore after that <laughs> um, that is like something from a comedy sketch oh my god that is so oh. genius <laughs> oh, I was mortified. I was mortified. Uh, one of the girls, probably one of my mates who went out to us, was God, hilarious. Um, that is brilliant. But yeah, God, everyone goes out there now. It's just not my thing, but everybody, literally the whole of Dublin Four moves out towards where you are, and it's just packed. Packed. Yeah. I see it's driving me mad. Yeah, I suppose it's good that people are getting into the natural resources there in the doorstep, you know what I mean? That people are, no, geez, I don't need to go for two weeks away to Malaga, or, you know, that I can just get in the cold. Or it's probably not as nice getting sitting in the sun for two weeks compared to getting in the cold sea. But people are like, right, just adapting, saying, right, what's the next best thing I can do? How can I put the right foot forward? And be hiking up Ticknock or getting into the sea, I suppose, what's the next best thing I can do? Yeah, and uh, when I talk about habits, and, and I'm quite often asked how long it, it takes for a habit to kind of form, and I'd say, well, well, it really depends how long it's a piece of string. But there are different uh, variables depending on what the habit is and what you want it. But at the moment, I think a lot of people are creating these amazing habits and not going to the pub and not going to get hammered. Instead, they're going and they're swimming or they're running or they're cycling or, you know, these are habits that will be quite possibly long lasting. And and they're, they're, your habits are formed in the prefrontal cortex. And then once they're formed and once you do it enough, they go back to the basal ganglia, which is in the back of your brain. And once they're there, they're almost there forever. Not quite forever, but yeah. once we get people into these habits, I think it's going to have a positive influence on the health system going forward because people are yeah. going to be much more healthy. And the healthier you are, I would argue, the more spiritual you are because you're you're much more awake and you're, and you're you're living in your body and you're being the way we should be. The healthier you eat, the healthier you you are physically. It's yeah. much more beneficial for you spiritually. So it can be huge benefits for for the world, the country, but the world going forward. I I hope I hope. Yeah, that's, that's so true. And everything is aligned, you know, mind, body, soul. And I know that when I started to strength, straighten out spiritually, I started to straighten out physically and mentally as well. Like, yep. you know, 
Yeah, that's powerful. I, I mean, when you're, you're, there's a, well, mantras very much come from the East and then we've got our Western kind of version of mantras, which would be more high magic, I suppose. And they could be things like the Kabbalistic cross or the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram. And they're, they're all about cleansing and, and uh, cleansing your, your physical body and your spiritual body as well. And, and the Eastern stuff that you would have uh, seen a lot of when you were over in the East and you're traveling around, they'd be your yoga, your yoga poses, your yoga mantras. So the, the Eastern, Western yoga is just slightly different, um, but it's the same thing and breathing exercises and all of that. And it's about being in your body and feeling your body. There's actually a great book called, ah, ah fuck, it's by Israel Regardi. Anyway, it's about, it's about um it's a year manual of spiritual growth it's really excellent and part of it or at least the start is spending time just in yourself and feeling yourself and not necessarily in a sexual way at all but (laughs) it can be but it's not necessarily feeling yourself like that it's about feeling your body from top to toe how you feel how you breathe your heartbeat your and you start to feel all of that and it's actually quite magic really when you when you give yourself the time and so few of us do really yeah, that's powerful. I love that. Right, Steve, I'll leave you to you, man. You, get, get back to your book. Get back that to your book. Lovely. Well, I have a stir fry downstairs that I made earlier as well. Like, smell it wafting. So I'm going to go and, and have that one. I'll, I'll call in for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Delicious, actually, man. That's what I love about uh, the the procrastination, you know. That I found that when, like, when it was like the, even doing college assignments or doing anything at all, doing any sort of writing that everything else in the house was done again like, that needed mended you know i was out hovering the grass polishing the <laughs> roof you know it's great for getting other stuff done apart from the task at hand that you need to get finished like procrastination like uh i was getting like three swims a day like everything else was <laughs> like a brilliant in my life perfect bar the thing i needed to get done so yeah. that's one of the positives about procrastination the gaff spotless you're cooking stir fries you're opening the cookbooks but uh the book's not getting done <laughs> well look i talk about procrastination sometimes it can be bad sometimes i i would ask the question is it procrastination sometimes people are so exhausted that they they want to do everything and their body is saying i can't so they blame procrastination and sometimes it's just something maybe bigger saying no this is not quite for you there's a great guy called and and in closing i suppose because i would talk to you for the actual evening as i'm sure you've, you've realized now um there's a great guy called rob moore who you might have heard of and he's absolutely fantastic. He's an author and he's uh, he's on Instagram. He's a really lovely guy as well. And he has a great one about procrastination called Start Now, Get Perfect Later. So it's basically, he says the same thing, you know, you clean the house, you clean the office for the 10th time in a row and you don't put even one word on the page. So yeah, procrastination, start now, get perfect later. You said something similar earlier in the podcast as well. So it's that kind of thing. Step by step, just write the first word even. Yeah. Get get it done. It's a new perfect. Get it done. Just get it done. And what is perfect? What you know? There's no such thing. Yeah, I love it. <laughs>